0: Good morning everyone. Uh, welcome to this Sunday morning service at Steve's and Warm Welcome as you are visiting with us, with us this morning and hope you'll be blessed as you sit in God's presence. And a warm welcome to all those who are listening at home. We pray that you will be blessed too.
1: Well thanks so much Billy. God is here. We feel his presence in this consecrated place. But we need the soul refreshing of his free and bounded grace. Let it come, O Lord, we pray thee, let the shower of blessing fall. We are waiting, we are waiting, O revive the hearts of all. Well, let's worship together as we stand and we sing in our opening hymn, Holy Words Long Preserved. unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we ask that you would please help us as we pray this day. Grant us such a liberty in the Spirit so that our prayers would be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are the shepherd of our souls and as a flock of your pasture we are secure in your presence and so Lord we do thank you for your provision and providence and we know that we will not lack any good thing when we trust all to your sovereign care and as we rest completely in your covenant promises Lord, we acknowledge that we do often stray. We find ourselves in the valleys of despair and discouragement. We tend to be led by our own thoughts, our emotions, and our own wills, rather than walking the paths of righteousness. And Lord, today our hearts cry out, oh, to know a closer walk with God. Oh, to be able to walk the King's highway. And so Lord, forgive us when we've allowed fears, anxieties and worries to consume our thoughts and allowing them to govern our lives. Lord, blot out our transgressions. And Lord, we thank you that in your mercy You no no longer remember our sins. Oh, how we praise you for your loving kindness, your goodness, your grace. And so, Lord, as we worship here this morning, we thank you that we come into this quiet sanctuary, a sanctuary of love, a sanctuary of rest, a sanctuary of peace, Lord, where we can know your sweet, sweet presence. And so, Lord, for each heart in this place and those listening online, Lord, I ask that you would overwhelm each heart in your amazing love. And may they know their hearts to just delight in your presence. Lord, may the Holy Spirit come with power. Lord, cleanse our souls, cleanse our lips. And Lord, move upon us as we continue to worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, hear our prayers as we also join together in the Lord's prayer, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Paul's second letter to Timothy, there in chapter 3 at verse 10. And we're going to read through to verse 17. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, receiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. May the Lord bless us with the reading of his precious word. Well, I would like to return to our reading there as we meditate this morning on Paul's second letter, these verses that we read earlier. We're continuing in our series on growing in grace. And so as we come to Paul's second letter... Paul is writing to a companion. He's known as Paul's companion, Timothy. And this is a very personal letter. It's unlike other letters that Paul has written. It's very personal. He's writing to a dear, dear friend. And so it's full of warmth and encouragement But it's also full of warning. Paul is writing to Timothy to warn him about the days to come. What's going to come in the future? And so, who is Timothy? Well, Timothy, we're told, he was the son of a Jewish mother and of a Gentile father. And the Apostle Paul calls him my beloved and faithful child. He was also a bishop in Ephesus. He was an ambassador and a courier to Corinth. And he was also known as a helper in Macedonia. And as Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he writes... I have no one like him who will care for your welfare. I like that. Timothy was just a young leader of a church. And like many leaders, they had their worries and their concerns, but Timothy was like no other. As the apostle Paul writes, he really cared for the people. He cared for the flock. Like Jesus, when he spoke to Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Have we come to know the love of Christ? Do we know the love of Jesus in our hearts, in our daily walk? Well, if we do, then Jesus would say, Go and feed my lambs and feed my sheep. Be an encouragement. Be a blessing to others. And Timothy was like that. Timothy was one who knew with a passion the love of Christ. He came to know salvation. He knew his heart changed, transformed. He had gone from one who had been living in darkness... And now was living in the light of Christ. And he had a purpose. He had meaning to his life. This is Timothy. Paul is now writing one of his last letters. There was a fire in Rome there in AD 64. And Nero had blamed the Christians. And Paul and Peter, actually, they were both imprisoned. And Paul is now facing execution. And this is where now this letter comes from. It's written from a place of, I'm about to go. I'm about to die. And Paul says, I'm ready. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see him. And so he now writes this very personal letter to Timothy. Timothy I have a challenge for you. And we are reminded here in chapter 3, and Timothy was especially reminded to hold, to keep, to maintain the truth of God's holy scriptures. We ought to make much about the word of God, our Bibles. Paul certainly did. The Lord Jesus said the scriptures cannot be broken. We're to hold on to them. How do we grow in grace? That's a good question, isn't it? And we've been studying that over five Sundays now, how we can grow in grace. Well, Paul would want us to know that if you sincerely desire to grow in grace, then you must hold on to the word of truth. Hold on to those sacred scriptures. Keep them, maintain them, study them. In the Greek, this phrase can mean to remain in, to stay in what you have learned. Can I put it another way? Hold fast. Hold fast to the truth Of God's word. That's our word for today. How do we grow in grace? We hold fast to the truth of God's word. Now Paul writes here to Timothy and he gives a contrast. He reminds Timothy that there are those who don't continue. There are those who don't remain in the truth. There are those who will, as the phrase goes, they go beyond the truth. And they think that they are progressing. We don't need the Bible anymore. That was maybe a help 2,000 years ago to people. But we have grown up in society. We are now more scientific. We're more modern. We understand a lot more. And therefore, the Bible isn't as applicable. But take the good stuff. Take the good stuff out, the things that will help you morally. Take the good things that are nice and will make you into a good person. But then you are to go beyond the scriptures because we know a lot more. That's what the world tells us. And Paul writes to Timothy. He said there are those, even in his day, that were going beyond the scriptures. They were, yes, they believed in the the Bible, they believed the scriptures, but they were going beyond it. Paul calls them evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. They will turn away, as Paul writes in chapter 4 at verse 4, they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But as for you, Timothy, continue, remain, stay, hold fast to what you have learned and believed. And so, as Paul gives a wonderful challenge in how we're to grow in grace or to hold fast to the scriptures. So can I ask the question? Paul Why? Why are we to hold fast to the Scriptures? Why should the Bible be so crucial and important to us? Why should it be our guiding light? Why is it to be a lamp to our feet? Why should we be standing on the Word of God and holding dear to it? Well, Paul now opens up. His reasoning for holding fast to the sacred scriptures, to hold fast to the word of God. Yes, it will help you to grow in grace. But Paul says, to hold fast to the word of God, it's crucial. And he said, first of all, remember the character of those who taught you. Do you remember those who taught you the scriptures? Who believed it with all their heart? I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. Reasons for holding fast. Oh, remember the character of those who taught you. Do you remember those who were so sincere about their faith and how they believed the word of God? Even your grandmother, Paul would say, I remember Lois and your mother Eunice. They were passionate for the word of God. They believed every word and they lived it out. I remember many years ago now as a young Christian being taught the scriptures and I remember coming under some teaching for some time where I was taught exactly what Paul talks about here about wandering off the truth into myths I remember when I was being taught about the Bible we were doing some studies and I was told that much of the Bible was just fairy tales it was just uh, metaphors and pictures and but none of it's real really well not all of it but they would argue especially oh genesis watch out for genesis that's just poets round a campfire telling their own wee stories competing with each other you have a babylonian poet describing their gods and then the jewish poet wants to beat them and say oh well hang on wait will you hear about our god and then of course the babylonians or the assyrians or whoever their poets will then tell a story about their heroes and of course the jewish poet not wanting to be undone oh but what about abraham oh and what about jacob and isaac and and then, of course, others will compete, and then it becomes like a, a competition. Who's got the greatest heroes? Who's got the greatest gods? And I was taught that that's what Genesis is all about. That it really is just we myths, but there is an underlying message that you hold on to. Paul warns about wandering off into myths. He says, Hold fast to the word of God. How did Jesus interpret the scriptures? He held fast. He believed that there was a Jonah. (laughs) He believed there was a real Solomon, a real David, a real Abraham. They weren't just pictures of heroes made up. When I was taught going through that whole year, do you know, I began to believe it. I thought, well, maybe that's true. Maybe the Bible isn't really all truth. Maybe it's just that uh, a message under the Bible that we have to believe, and that's true. Well, I remember when I began to fall for all this modern theological teaching. And you know, when I began to believe in all the modern uh, accusations against the Bible, one thing I did notice though, even when I began to believe all this teaching, my heart was cold. And empty. I felt no spiritual life. Although I now began to look at the Bible in a different way. I was now the modern Christian. (laughs) And I knew better than some of the authors here. And when I treated the Bible like that. Yes, I thought I was so clever. But you know this. My spiritual life was almost non-existent. And I remember one night in my bedroom there in Kreef, in that room, I grabbed the Bible and I threw it up in my bedroom against the roof of of my room. And I said, Lord, please tell me what's true anymore. I don't know if this is true anymore. I was so confused. I got so muddled. All the teaching was just getting at me. And I started to believe it, but somehow it was affecting my spiritual life. And I was so confused, I was so muddled by it, and I began to cry. And I said, Lord, please tell me, what's true? Is the Bible true after all? Or do I just pick the bits that I like that are comfortable to me? And you know, the next day, the lady at the reception in Creef, at the St. Indian Centre there, she said, Scott, two letters have come for you. And I thought, oh, and it, for me, it was unusual to get a letter at Creef. So I grabbed the letters and I opened one of them and it was written by a minister in Aberdeen, who I, when I wasn't, a, before I was a Christian, I used to go to this church in Aberdeen, Gilkinson South, and Reverend William Still was the minister. And I used to enjoy going in a Sunday evening to listen to Mr. Still, more so because I could then phone my mother and say I was in church <laughs> and I would please my mother. But you know, this Mr. Still heard that I was in grief and he wrote this lovely letter. And you know, it was like Paul writing to Timothy, encouraging me and also warning me about some of the teaching that I might face. And then he closed his letter by saying, "'Scott, whatever you do, hold fast to the faith, once delivered unto the saints.'" Jude, verse six. And do you know this? My heart began to beat. I could feel life again. Hold fast to the faith, once delivered to the saints. And then I opened the second letter. And this was another minister had written. This minister was from the Free Church on Skye. And he knew I was in Creef studying and he wrote the same letters. He said, Scott, I know you'll be going, you'll be facing difficult teaching, teaching that you might not even agree with. And then he began to share about my uncle who was a missionary in Harris. And he said, oh, he would be so proud of you, Scott, that you're training under the scriptures. And then he closes. And Scott, my prayer for you is that you would hold fast to the faith. Once delivered unto the saints. See, after I read that second letter, on the same day, after praying, Lord, tell me what is true. These words burned on my heart. Hold fast to the faith. Once delivered to the saints. The faith that Paul believed in. The faith that the apostles believed in. Scott, hold fast to it. Believe it with all your heart. And from that moment, I've believed in Genesis to Revelation. And I've come to know the truth of these words. Remember the character of those who taught you. Those who wrote to you to encourage you. And then Paul goes on to say, and another reason for holding fast to the word of God is the scriptures are powerful. Paul calls them the sacred scriptures. The Bible has God's fingerprints all over it. And as Paul rightly tells us, the word of God has power. It's powerful than any two-edged sword. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work, yes in us, but also in his word, bringing us to Christ. When the power of God is in the word, people are drawn. The word changes people's lives. The word of God Gives hope. See, if you hold to the truth, it means that you've got something to hold on to. When you are asking God to fulfill his promise, if you don't even believe it to be true, then how do you know it's a promise? You can't ask God to give his, to fulfill his promise to you, that he'll be with you always. You would never have that hope. If you don't hold to the word of God, you can't can never know that god's going to be with you for all eternity when you put your trust in him because you're not going to know whether this bit of the bible is true or not when jesus said when two or more are gathered there i am in your midst you'll always doubt if jesus is here if you don't hold to the truth that's why it's so important that we hold fast to the truth because it's powerful it it gives hope it changes our hearts our attitudes Therefore, don't walk away and beyond the truth. Hold fast. Hold fast. For the word of God is powerful. Paul goes on to say it's also God-breathed. When we form words, in order to form words, you must breathe them out and this is what Paul is saying about the word of God he's saying that the word, the Bible is God breathed it's God's breathed out words it's divinely inspired the word of God reveals the heart and the purpose of God now it's an absolute mystery I know how God can use human authors and he does And he uses human authors with unique personalities and characters. When you read Paul's letter, it is Paul's letter. But in the same breath, it is God's words. It's God's letters to you and to me. It's a mystery how the Holy Spirit can come upon an author using emotions and the personality of someone and yet can bring about this is God's word. God knows who he's using. He knows their personalities. He knows their character. And by knowing them, he can get his word across. God reveals his words and thoughts. Yes, through angels and through dreams. The Hebrew writer tells us, and in these last days, God's word is revealed through his son, When you see Jesus, he is the word of God. And then the Holy Spirit, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, then these authors write down God's revelation. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon that word in power and applies it to you and to me. That's what it means to be God-breathed. The scriptures are God-breathed. God speaks. Yes, these authors write the words down and then the Holy Spirit of God brings them alive to us again, bringing life to our hearts. Why is it important that these scriptures are to be God-breathed? Because they reveal the truth of who God is. His power, His plan, His promises. He speaks nothing but the truth. Isn't that good? See, when you know that when you read your Bible, this is God breathed, this is powerful, you know that you can trust Him. You can hold on to him. And also in closing, we're told that the scriptures are also profitable. They equip us in our faith and for the fight. Paul would tell us, stand strong. Stand strong in the faith. Stand stand strong upon the promises of God. Because these scriptures are profitable. They'll equip you. They'll help you to grow in grace. They will equip us for the ministry. They enable us to grow. Because they correct us. They train us in righteousness. The Bible trains us in how to live a righteous life. And the scriptures enable us not just to grow, but to go so that we will be equipped for every good work. Isn't that true? And so, can I encourage you this morning to grow in grace. Oh, may the Lord help us, empower us to grow in grace. And so if we're to grow in grace, we must hold fast to the Word of God. We must continue in the truth. We must walk in its light. Yes, we must read the Word. We must obey it. We must study it. We must live by it. And let the power of the Word of God transform you. And today, can I encourage you, oh, each one of you, oh, may the Lord bless you and encourage you through his word. I pray that today you would just look up, hold on to him. Whatever Jesus has promised, whatever God has promised, is true. And you know, we're told that all who come to him All who confess their sins to him, he is faithful to forgive you all your sins. Isn't that lovely? I wonder today, is there a heart here and you've been worried? Has God forgiven me? Has he really forgiven every single sin? Well, the Bible tells us if you come to him and confess your sins, tell him honestly of your sins, and we're told that he is faithful to forgive you. Do you think you'll get to heaven? Do you think you'll really make it? Do you think you'll really get into that eternal glory to be with the Lord, to see him face to face? Do you really believe it? Well, can I encourage you this morning? Hold on to the scriptures, the sacred scriptures, because the Bible tells us that those who believe in the Lord Those who put their trust in Christ, who receive him. They will be with him in glory. As the thief on the cross knew, today you will be with me in paradise. But Lord, can that be true? I've been a criminal all my life. Will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me? Yes. Can I come into your kingdom? Yes. He may well have got a big shock when he got there. (laughs) Oh, will you believe the truth of God's word? Hold fast as we seek to grow in grace. And so can we now just have a quiet time? Let's have a quiet time of prayer. And then Billy will lead us in our intercessory prayers.
0: Father, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, that your word is true. We thank you, Father, that your love is constant and that you love each one of us equally. Thank you, two words, for the words we sang earlier. It said, those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. Lord as we bow in your presence we thank you that we are your delight that we are precious in your sight and that you will hold us fast Father we just think of the people and friends, family we know that they don't know you Lord we bring them before you now Lord Lord, you know who they are, but Lord, quietly we bring them to you. And maybe our mothers, our fathers, our sons, our daughters, our grandchildren. Lord, you know each one. And we pray, Lord, that you will send someone alongside them just to introduce them to you. And Lord, we thank you that your promises are true. Lord, we ask you for ourselves that you will revive each one of us, that we may be a blessing to others. We pray for those in our fellowship who are housebound at this time or unwell, and we ask you to touch them. Lord, we think of those who serve you in the mission field. We pray a blessing upon them, Lord. Lord, we pray for the meetings that are going on this week. And we just pray for those who attend. We pray that you will bless each one of them. Those who lead and those who listen. Draw close to them. And Lord, we pray for our sharing and giving month in October, Lord. We just pray that you will put on our hearts what you would want us to give, Lord. We pray too for the Presbytery Mission Plan, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that we will be granted a review. And we pray that your will will be done. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to bring our tithes and our offerings. And we ask you, Lord, to take them and use them for the extension of your kingdom. Lord, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name. Amen. And
1: just as Billy was praying, I felt my heart burdened as well. And, and I want you to, rather than just maybe pray right now, I want you to go away and maybe pray for this wee girl, Amy. She was knocked down on, on Friday there at Harvey School. We don't know any reports back how she's getting on, but it looked extremely serious and, um, and oh, it was really upsetting. And so we just want to pray for, for Amy and, and her parents especially and her close friends too. In fact, can we, can we actually just do that? Let's pray. Lord, I know for any parent, it's awful to just hear news of a child being knocked down and in such a serious way. And Lord, as she's now there in Glasgow, Lord, I pray that Lord, that you would just move in the doctor's hands. And Lord, I pray that you would bring such a lovely, lovely measure of full healing. And that she would know just her body coming into alignment. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just come upon her, empower. And Lord, give peace to her parents and all who know Amy. Lord, just grant them your everlasting arms just to hold them tight. And so, Lord, we do offer these our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's sing in our closing hymn, Light on the path, a lamp about our way. Let us go in the strength of the Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be with us and remain with us now and always.